Welcome to Mental Health News Radio. I'm your host, Kristen Sunanta-Walker. Just what are we going to discuss? The intimacy that is mental health. Let's continue to make it as comfortable as discussing brain health or heart health. This show has been on the air for several years and we have amazing co-hosts. And then we created a network of podcasters on mentalhealthnewsradionetwork.com, a place where every possible facet of mental well-being can be talked about openly. My show, after several hundred interviews, the format is this. Intimate, deep, funny, touching, sometimes uncomfortable, but always vulnerable conversations with interesting people. The goal is to have you, our listening family, many of you who have become my good friends, feel as though you are listening in on private conversations. Thank you for tuning in and becoming part of this amazing journey with me and now with our network of podcasters. Just knowing this podcast might be helping any of you realize you are not alone on this journey called being a human being makes doing this podcast worth every second. Hey everyone, Kristen Walker here, and I have one of our most played guests. Actually, that's the wrong word, played, for the topic we're going to discuss. Let's say it this way. One of our most listened to guests, who's also a podcaster on the network, Kim Saeed with Let Me Reach. Kim, thank you so much for coming on the show. Hi, Kim. Hi there, Kristen. Thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure. (laughs) So we have noticed something that's gone on that we did too. It seems like it it was part of the whole heal from toxic behavior people, that kind of healing. It seems like a part of the movement in that area was to stay really steeped in blaming the person on the receiving end of that kind of abuse. And I want to talk a little bit with you, Kim, first about how that's done and what that is. Right. So, you know, in today's sort of uh, updated message, we're hearing from a lot of healers and teachers that because we have narcissists in our lives, that we are somehow attracting them. But the underlying message underneath that is that it has something to do with our inner wounding and the fact that we don't have boundaries. And so basically, people are being blamed for having a narcissist in their lives. So saying that we have attracted them and we really need to start sending out a different message because telling people that they're attracting narcissists is actually extremely detrimental, not only for their recovery process, but for them to start rebuilding because most people get into a state of not wanting to go out and meet new people because they're afraid that since they haven't really healed yet, that they're just going to keep attracting narcissists left and right. And so now what we're seeing is that loneliness has become the new epidemic and loneliness, according to some studies is a cause of early death. So we need to start sending out a new message to help people understand that they're not attracting narcissists. As you and I talked about, Kristen, the other day, 
you can barely go up the street in your own neighborhood without encountering one or two of these people. Absolutely. And you know, I, I was sitting here thinking about it the last couple of days, knowing that we were going to have this discussion. And a lot of this blaming of the of the people on the receiving end of this kind of abuse was actually fostered by some of the healers, quote unquote, I put quotes around that out there, that actually are narcissistic predators and they're posing as healers. And oh. they started this whole movement of it's your fault you're to blame because what a wonderful way to play out your own, first of all, self-importance as a quote unquote healer. Absolutely take no responsibility whatsoever for being a predator. It's always the victim's fault. So I'm going to incorporate that into my healing wrapped in quotes again, by saying that it's always the fault of the victim. Right. And so what we're also seeing is um, <clears throat> because the message is you're attracting these people because you're wounded. And the only hope you have to get away from this is to sign up for my program or sign up for my coaching. Exactly. And whenever you hear, I mean, Kim, I have never, ever, ever heard you say my program is the only one that can help anyone. My doctrine is the only one that helps people that it wouldn't even occur to you to even have that thought or to ever even come out of your mouth you just don't operate in that space so listeners when you hear any kind of healer say that i'm not saying that that means they're bad and don't go to them i'm just saying let that be a red flag that maybe this isn't the place for you <laughs> all right you know and so kind of to segue into, well, how do we end up with these people in our lives? You know, once we start seeing some yellow or red flags, that's when it does sort of become at that point, our responsibility to do something or figure out what's going on. So when I think back to my, my own beginnings, what I realized, Kristen, was that I wasn't really attracting people like that, but that I was ultimately accepting them. And what I mean by that is, so once I figured out there were some odd behaviors going on, instead of actually analyzing it, I was, I, was, I guess, from my wounding, so afraid of being alone and not being approved of that I would brush those behaviors under the rug. Right. And, you know, depending on someone's level of trauma, it's not always going to be easy as we all know to say, Hey, you know, this, you're just really off the rails here and this isn't working out. So you know what? Sayonara because right. of trauma bonding and from you know from what we know now this is a bona fide addiction and it's also you know when when you're steeped in the recovery world of this kind of abuse you're reading so much material and there's so much material even from amazing people that are doing great healing work because i think they've been infected in many ways too with this doctrine of it's our fault, we attract them, that that actually makes it worse for all of us going through the healing journey because then we, we wander around the still, the walking wounded, never really at a place of, okay, we're, we're really on a, 
a healing path, we're always sort of laying in wait for the next one to show up so that we can further the, oh, look at you did it again, still stuff wrong with you because you attracted another one. And that just isn't how it works. And I, I would love to see that language go away. And I'd love to talk about, Kim, if you don't mind, some examples of how that language is utilized um, in, even, in, even in great people that just need to change their language. But what are some of the things that you're told about that piece that really puts the onus on you, the receiving, you know, the receiving end of this kind of a person in your life? Well, what I see happening, and this also happened to me in my own journey, so I can understand exactly where people are coming from. And one of the biggest things is, well, we're empaths. Most of us who do receive uh, this kind of abuse are empaths. You know, when I first started my coaching practice, I would send out these very casual assessments to people. And there was one that I got from um, a previous colleague of mine. His name is Josh Schultz. And he had these little quizzes on his site about what kind of empath are you? And every single person who took that assessment came back as having empathic traits. So one of the biggest thing, especially now that we're all kind of becoming more accepting of spiritual um, elements in our, you know, life journeys is that we're impasse without boundaries. Right. And until we, until we fix our wounding, we're just going to continue attracting narcissists. Um, another thing I see people talking about out there is they think they've met their twin flame. And mm -hmm. so that kind of keeps them entangled in this relationship because they think the narcissist is the runner. And so they'll stay in that relationship waiting for the time when the narcissist has this epiphany and comes running back. So those are two of the main things I see in the material that I read because I'm not really reading the basic stuff anymore. I'm, re I'm really focusing more on the spiritual aspect of this journey as it relates to us as individuals. I like too that I don't even look at when someone comes into my life that has high, highly narcissistic traits or they are in fact probably personality disordered. I don't even look at that as something that's quote unquote wrong because right. they all, they all, they walk in and out. I mean, you know, look who's running this country and running many countries that are having many, many problems. So our society is becoming more and more and more narcissistic, which means you're going to run into this behavior more and more and more. But I'll tell you what, I, I'm not saying I love dealing with these kind of people, but I make lemonade out of it every single time, every single one of them that definitely could classify as on the pathological character disordered side. I have met the most amazing friends that are still my friends today that also were on the receiving end of this person's behavior. I've ha I've made companies out of that do great things for many, many people. So they, every single one of them that's come in, it isn't that they brought me gifts. It's that I took what was a very unpleasant situation with someone and I turned it into something wonderful and then had these amazing connections out of it. They did not. 
So I don't even look at them walking in anymore as, oh, there's something wrong with me, which is so much of the language that we hear out there in the healing community. Like you're already something's wrong with you. They even have one in your life. And that's just not how it works. That's a completely erroneous way of thinking, in my opinion. It absolutely is. Now, as you said, you know, a lot of times people like us know how to sort of mine the, the gold out of the dirt. Um, you know, right. a lot of times these are you know, spiritual opportunities in disguise. But, you know, as, as you and I were talking about the other day, we were, you know, talking about the work of Tosha Silver. Yes. And she's the author of Outrageous um, Openness and It's Not Your Money. And she says that, you know, we're not constantly manifesting with every single thought that we have. And that is what really keeps people frozen. They're afraid to be in their own bodies because, you know, they are traumatized and they know on a logical level, I'm traumatized. And they might even be able to say right now I'm triggered. And, but, you know, they also have running in the background I'm attracting this. This is my fault. And it just gets, it turns into this loop and it keeps people frozen when really it could just be some kind of karmic contract that you agreed to before coming here. So it, it may not even have anything to do with what we're seeing with our human mind at, at that moment. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it takes us away from the fact that there are difficult people all over the place. Somehow this cottage industry that got started, which was definitely necessary around narcissistic abuse, in order for it to stay and can, you know, and keep being profitable for people, some people came into it and decided, ah, okay, if we, if we blame the victims around this, then we can just keep mining for gold because we can keep them in a perpetual state of victimhood so that they always need us to help heal them. Ha ha. And that happens and, with coaches and therapists. Now, not, yes. the ones, not the ones that you and I are friends with, or at least to our knowledge, you know, yep. we have some very wonderful colleagues who who can help people and they're not going to just look at them as some, as the, at their clients as some sort of gravy train. Um, but there are lots of coaches and therapists out there who do look at people in that way, as you and I well know, because we have encountered these people in our work in this network even, but yeah, the yes. ultimate goal of a healer should be to help you see your own ability to heal yourself or at least to ignite that spark inside of you and guide you from point A to point B. Now, I'm not talking about point C, from point A to point B so that ultimately you don't even need them anymore. That's right. the ultimate goal of a healer. Exactly. Exactly. It is not to become totally dependent on, you know, it's kind of like when people call me and they say, oh, I can't, I, I can't go do that, uh, that thing with you. And they've said it to me over and over and over and over and over again, because I've got to check with my astrologer first. That's, that's not anyone that's helping you. <laughs> no, no. What we need to do, you know, astrologists and tarot readers and all that, I've um, encountered a, a few really, really talented and skilled. Absolutely. 
but there are, you know, if you're at the point where you're, if you've been seeing someone like that for a while and you're still thinking you can't make a move without consulting them first, that is a codependent relationship and it's not healthy. Exactly. So how do we, because even great healers, life coaches, um, therapists and so on, even they have adopted some of that language around you're the problem. And it isn't that we aren't saying that we're not accountable for what goes on in our lives. We are, but even really good ones say that. And how do we sort of make that shift? How I do what I know is I'll say, if I'm having a discussion with them and they go, Oh yeah, well, what have you, what did you um, miss, you know, in your journey on um, figuring out, you know, why this one came into your life. And I, I just paused for a minute without any shaming or blaming because what they said to me is very shaming and blaming. Right. And I say, okay, you know what? Let's change that language around because that's part of that whole shaming system that goes on and it's really not helpful to anybody. And slowly but surely, some of the people that you know I've talked to that I've had these conversations with, they go, oh, Right. And they're starting to shift the conversation too, because I'm guilty of, of making those statements and thinking that way as well. Well, I did that in the past too, Kristen, and I honestly felt like I was helping people, but having been in this field now for several, several years and hearing, you know, people's stories and just seeing Unfortunately, how many people are out there trying to make a quick buck off of people who are already traumatized? You know, here's the thing. Ultimately, telling a wounded empath or anyone who has been the recipient of narcissistic abuse, telling them that they attracted that and that there's something wrong with them because of their wounding, it's like telling someone who has been raped that they attracted that into their life. Exactly. It's really the same concept. And so that's, you know, the poor kid who's out there on the playground getting bullied, that they attracted that. Exactly. What we really need to start telling people, we need to break that paradigm because there are just bad people in the world. There are people who who may not even realize they're being bad. Maybe they are out operating out of their own wounding, right. but we're not here to enable people like that. So the new message needs to be, okay, we need to work on boundaries because I'll tell you what, when I first came out of my narcissistic marriage, I had to enforce boundaries and it made me feel so awful that I would get physically sick at the simple act of enforcing boundaries. It would make right. me physically ill. But so we need to start creating a new dialogue around, you know, implementing boundaries and we, starting small for people who are extremely traumatized like I was and building up to that. We need to talk more about self-empowerment. We need to help people see how unique and divine and beautiful they are and how they don't deserve that because narcissistic abuse is basically a program. The narcissist is attempting to reprogram your mind yes. and that's how they get control yes. over you. So we need to help people understand that 
It's not your fault. This is an insidious and long-term campaign to reprogram your mind, both your cognitive mind and your subconscious mind, because they are targeting your wounds. And exactly. To create this sort of computer virus in your brain. Absolutely. And what's fascinating is they don't just, you know, they're equal opportunity abusers. They don't just do this to you. They do it to entire systems. I've had a couple who absolutely somewhere know that they are in fact mentally ill, that they are in fact character disordered. And that makes them so angry that they have a lobby against the entire field of mental health to prove that it is crap. It isn't real and it's a hoax simply because they cannot handle accepting that there is a mental illness within them. One thing that I'm uh, hearing now from clients and from people who write in to me in my email, there are therapists out there who have, I'm not sure if they adopted this or exactly what's happening, but they're telling their own clients well, maybe this person is only abusive towards you because there's something about your personality that, that just isn't compatible with them. And it just brings out this abusive nature in them. And they're probably not going to be abusive with other people. And I've even had a sort of debate. Uh, I had uh, on one of my recent YouTube videos and I had a therapist write in and say, we never do this. And I'm saying, well, I'm glad you don't, but we have to be mindful of the fact that there are therapists out there who are giving out these kinds of messages to their clients. And I had one man even tell me, well, my therapist said that there's no way that my wife could have been a narcissist because she's female. And I'm thinking (laughs) to myself, how Let me give you a list of all the females that I have done. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, you know, the stupid blank that therapists say. But, you know, let's just kind of back it up. There are some really wonderful ones out there. And again, I have several colleagues who are wonderful therapists in this field, mainly because they've been through this themselves and they know exactly what the victim is going through and how to help them. But on the other end of the spectrum, we have therapists who are themselves narcissistic and they are trying to create those codependent relationships where, you know, you shouldn't be going to the same therapist for 10 or 15 years and not feeling like you have progressed any. Right. Exactly. And there, I think too, um, well, I'll say this first. I, I've, I, it's even, it even goes so far to the ridiculous side where I've seen someone who has no education whatsoever in, in mental health as an advocate or as a, um, a therapist or that they've gone to ever even gone to counseling for themselves. I've seen one sit and argue with degreed professionals people who have been advocates in the field for decades and try to argue with them about what depression really is because they themselves are depressed. That is something that narcissists do deal with, but they don't want to deal with that. They don't want to have that be 
something that they acknowledge. So, so instead, they're going to invite people in who have the experience and credentials and try to get that person to debunk themselves out of their own hatred and fear of what they could do, of, of what is wrong with them or what, what, it, what they are experiencing and what they could go do to help themselves. It's so much easier to just tear down that which you're afraid of instead of just diving into it like the rest of us do. Okay, so you're dealing with depression. You're dealing with a mental illness. Here are the ways that you can go and, and help yourself get through that. Instead of doing that, they want to tear down you know, the, the very people that know exactly what this is. That's how twisted a pathological mind is. That's how disordered that kind of a mind is. And you, it takes a while to figure out, ah, that's what this person is doing. And that takes time. You don't just walk in like some healers out there will say, well, you just get to the point where you can sniff them and, and <laughs> feel it in the true. air. And that is so not true. So now- Not in every somebody, case anyway. Yeah, not exactly. And now when I bump into someone that I sort of wonder or figure it out as time goes on, I no longer go, oh, what's wrong with me? Or it's happened again. I look for the opportunity for the lemonade. And if someone comes to me and says, yeah, here's another one. I don't think oh, another one in their life. What is it that they're not looking at? I, I sit down, which I have done in the past. I sit down with that person and go, okay, so you got a live one. What are, what are you going to do with it now? What did you learn? How are you going to change the situation so that it works out in your favor? Let's talk about that. And I just come at it from a positive place because that's really all you can do. All that other shame stuff, it doesn't belong as part of the conversation. It absolutely doesn't. And I'm, you know, I'm really glad that you chose this topic for today's show. You know, going back to the empath arena, you know, sometimes we do agree as spirits to these kinds of relationships to have particular transformative experiences or just simply to learn to say no. But that's not every person's journey. Sometimes they just walk in and there's, like you said, we can't spot them. I mean, there was some kind of silly article circulating out there at one point about you can tell if a person is nar a narcissist because of something to do with their eyebrows. And I'm thinking this <laughs> most ludicrous thing. This was, on some, it, this was on one of the premier websites. And I'm thinking this is just absolutely ridiculous. We cannot go out and spot narcissists like we are, you know, taking binoculars on the Serengeti, you know, we just can't <laughs> do that. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. I know it's, it's, it's utterly ridiculous. And it, we, we have to move into this space. I mean, think about how disempowering it is to take someone who's been dealing with horrible emotional abuse. And that's at the very least of what they're dealing with and then tell them it's their fault because they attract it and it's their wounds and that they're these boundaryless, codependent, awful people. What a way to keep you stuck in that in that place what a way to keep you from being empowered let's get on the bandwagon now of okay no no more of that language <laughs> right <laughs> and let's focus on the 
wonderful side of this, which is incredible healing, incredible empowerment, incredible tools to walk around with the rest of your life as you will always run into these people and that you do not need to be afraid of running into them. That's the biggest thing that, that this sort of shame language that seeped into this industry of healing from narcissistic abuse is that everyone at some point is like, I don't even want to go outside because I'm afraid I'm going to run into it. That is not empowering. No, you are going to, guess what? You are for the rest of your life going to run into these kind of people over and over and over again. It's just going to happen. But what's great is every time you do, you get another tool to stick in your tool bag for the next one that you run into and you stop being afraid of running into them. Absolutely. You know, what the way I have started to view that, because I have had my own experience and background with different kinds of narcissists, and really what I, I consider this as, as empowering now, because I've had, I've experienced all these different flavors of narcissism, and it helps me understand their mind more so that I can better help other people. So I don't look at that as something bad that happened or that I attracted. I sort of see it as sort of a divine purpose sort of thing in my own situation. So you're absolutely right. We have to stop blaming people. And, you know, having said that, it is going to be uncomfortable. If you yes. think about, if you think about, you know, the, the addictive element of narcissistic abuse we know now that we become biochemically addicted so there is going to be this really horrible sort of withdrawal when you first start extricating yourself away from people like that because first of all the emotional wounding is there and then we have to get through that biochemical withdrawal so just like someone going through rehab we're going to be sick we're going to feel like we're dysfunctional. We can't even get out of bed. But after we get through that is when the real beauty and magic starts to happen. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then you get to the place where not only are you getting out of bed every day and feeling positive and strong in your life, um, and you're, you're walking around knowing that no matter who you're going to bump into, you can handle it. Yep. There's no hiding. There's no, oh no, my body's going to betray me. We all have to go through that stage. But yeah. it's it's more, yep, all kinds of people are going to walk in and out of my life and in and out of my experience. And I can handle all of it. That's not, that is true empowerment. And that is getting us out of the victim stage of, oh, I don't want to run into it again. Oh, you know, again, it's that turning this around and making it our fault. What a ruse of any narcissistic organism. Blame the victim, blame the victim, blame the victim. It allows people that behave this way to never take responsibility for what it is they do about anything, which is their MO anyway, because now we can even blame the victim for it. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, and, and I believe, I do believe in the law of attraction to a certain degree. I mean, there are universal laws that really, you know, are just there, but we have really taken it out of proportion 
to the extent that at this, it is doing more damage than good at this point. And we really need to start having this dialogue, as you said. It's not your fault. It's almost like a new Me Too movement, you know? Um, Absolutely. I love that. A new Me Too movement. Yes, it's going from being a perpetual victim, even if it's little victim, because you, you feel really empowered, to big you know, being a little bit of a victim to really always operating from a state of victimhood, because isn't it operating out of a state of victimhood if you're afraid to go out and engage because you just might run into one of these people? That's you placing yourself in a state of always having to worry that you're going to be victimized. Right. And so we do need to help people change their beliefs around this because I do understand that feeling that is the trauma speaking, but it's not being helped by, you know, so-called gurus and teachers saying, um, so within, so without this is, you know, this is what is living on inside your body. And until you fix this, this is going to be your reality. And, you know, until you take this program or, or whatever the message is they're sending. But yes, we, we need to stop this because it's actually making things worse. And we're seeing that now. And I think a lot of it, I know with some of my friends, some of my friends that have been on my show that are some of the most popular guests, we've had the same conversation that I'm having with Kim right now. And all of us have said, yep, we were part of that too. And oh, not gonna be anymore everybody's changing their language around that. Everybody's moving to this new place. So there's nothing wrong that we, you know, we're here that we have been in that place, but now it's time to go to the next place. And that next place is absolutely not a victim. Nope. That's not, not that there's anything wrong with being one because boy, we have been them and it is important to acknowledge that, but we do not walk around in our lives waiting to be victimized. No, because they don't have that kind of power. They don't have that kind of power. We are warriors. We walk through our lives and we got the tools from all the people that we've dealt with. We can be confident. You can get to a place where you're so confident, not narcissistic, fake confidence, real confidence in the core of your being that no matter who it is, whether it's the president of something to your neighbor, to a colleague, to a family member, that you can handle it and that you will find gold out of it. Right. And that is really the way to stand in your power because once a narcissistic individual sees that they don't have any effect on you, <laughs> that's really the ultimate, you know, I don't want to say revenge because I don't like to use that word, right. but it kind of takes them down a few notches when they encounter that. Yeah. They, they've gotten, they're going to move on sadly to someone else. And I'd love it. I'd love to get away from that thinking too, where I don't want them to move on to someone else. I want there to be so many empowered people on the planet that we outnumber people that behave this way so that there's, there's no more juicy people to feed on because we all feel so good that they actually are forced to deal with themselves and change their behavior. And I don't laugh if you think, yeah, that's never going to happen. Maybe it isn't, but you know what? I would rather be on that empowered side of thinking maybe some will change. If there's less of us operating in a state of, 
we got to be careful because we'll be victimized by one of them. Don't want to run into one of them. If we operate from a state of, come on in, I can handle you. I won't handle you for long. And you won't want to stick around with me for long because you're not going to be able to make a meal out of me for long, if at all. But, you know, and, and guess what? All of my empowered friends, you're not going to get far with them either. So go do your work. Right. So really, we can look at this as not only an evolution in recovery, but a revolution because we're just tired, yes. of, tired of hearing these disempowering messages that it's your fault. Absolutely. Mm. Well, we're at the we're at the beginning phase of this. We're having to change our own language. And a lot of the people on the network that talk about this are changing their language and their thoughts about it too. And that's how you have revolutions. You start changing your language and your thoughts around these things. And how you can tell if something is a healthy revolution is, is it about people feeling empowered, not powerful as in power over other people, empowered about themselves? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Kim, tell our listeners where they can find your programs because <laughs> they're so amazing. Well, thank you. Well, I have my website, kimsaeed.com, and there is a link to the programs in there. But for anyone who's just discovering that they're dealing with a the narcissist, they're not quite ready for a program just yet. I do have tons of articles on my website, tons of free downloads, and even an ebook on Amazon called How to Do No Contact Like a Boss. <laughs> and I love that book. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, Kim, thank you so much. Thank you first for being my friend and thank oh, you for doing the work that you pleasure. do because reading your work is you know, one of the main reasons where I got to this place that I am today, which certainly isn't healed. I'll be healed when I'm not breathing anymore, but I'm way further along on the journey. I'm glad you said that because it really is, you know, this is what my next book is going to be around is the way of the warrior and how healing is a life, a lifelong journey. It's not a one and done. Exactly. I'm so glad to have you as my friend, Kristen. Thank you for inviting me on your show again. Absolutely. And thank you listeners for tuning in to another episode of Mental Health News Radio. I'm passive aggressive, but never without good intentions. I heat up and act on my emotions. Thanks so much for listening to Mental Health News Radio. Our podcast can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and hundreds of other podcast apps. Or you can visit our website at mentalhealthnewsradio.com. If you have a question or would like to be a guest, become a podcaster on our network, or join the amazing organizations that help keep us on the air, please email us at info at mhnrnetwork.com. Get ready for that special goodbye from our resident therapy dog, Miles, and a special thanks to Emily Sohn for letting us use her incredible song, Cordial, for our podcast music. Listen to the full song on SoundCloud at emily.sonne. Don't be surprised when I don't hate on you. After all, we promised we'd be cordial. Sometimes in you, I can find it. Good boy.